Hello and welcome to episode number 141 of the Agro Innovations Podcast. This episode of the podcast has been released onto our website, agroinnovations.com slash podcast, on Monday, June 2nd, 2014. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I would like to thank How, I believe that's how you pronounce it, I'm not quite sure, for donating Bitcoin to the Agro Innovations Project. If you would like to donate to the Agro Innovations Project, you can click on the PayPal Donate button on the upper right-hand corner of the screen on the Agro Innovations website. That's agroinnovations.com. And if you would like to donate some Bitcoin to the podcast, please get in touch and I will give you some details so you can do so. You can get in touch with me by clicking on the contact link on the website for agroinnovations.com. Also, you can follow Agroinnovations on Twitter, at Agroinnovations, and we also have a Facebook page, which I don't use all that frequently, but I do update from time to time, particularly when there are new posts on the website or on the podcast page. So today on the Agro Innovations Podcast, we are joined once again by repeat guest Jerry of the BlackSoldierFlyBlog.com. Jerry, your uh, podcast appearance on the Agro Innovations Podcast, I want to say episode number 70, well, I'm not sure what episode number it was. I believe it was in the 70s, um, and that was several years ago. Uh, you contacted me when you saw that the Agro Innovations Podcast was back online and said much has happened in the world of Black Soldier Fly since then. And I should say your uh, appearance on the podcast was very popular. There's a lot of interest out there in Black Soldier Flies, not just in the United States, but all around the world. So, Jerry, welcome back to the Agro Innovations Podcast. Well, thank you, Frank. Glad to be here. Let's get started in having you tell us since the three or so years since we last spoke, what have been the developments in the world of the black soldier fly? Well, uh, generally speaking, there's been an exponential growth in interest. Um, you know, if you search the, uh, you know, using the Google search engine, the term black soldier fly, it's pretty much a flatline at zero up until around 2008. And then it just takes off from there. And, uh, you know, with some seasonal variations, more interest in the, in the warmer months when people normally discover them for the first time. Uh, you know, you see uh, just, as I said, a exponential growth. So, you know, we see that in um, a greater interest in general, but also there's now, um, you know, it's being used commercially, you know, uh, just within the past, I would say, year, I guess, successfully uh, in some new ways in, in this country, and I also believe in Europe, and there's, um, there's just, uh, in general, a lot more awareness and interest. Well, it's funny, you know, the Agro Innovations podcast, I don't put it out there as a trends forecasting type podcast, but it turns out we've been prescient in a lot of different regards in terms of some of the things that we've covered um, a little earlier than kind of hitting the mainstream or the exponential growth, things like black soldier fly, 3D printing, open source appropriate technology, all these things that have been covered on agroinnovations.com well, for almost 10 years now. Uh, are really starting to come into the forefront. So I'm excited to see that Black Soldier Fly is, is amongst those things that are becoming popular. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think you'll find that 10 years from now, uh, this will be a prediction of mine, but I believe it will overtake vermiculture. Uh, uh, working with worms is great, 
and uh, and I don't think that that will ever go away. They're they're uh, they have different benefits and different applications, but I, I believe that black soldier flies are important enough that they will overtake eventually um, uh, vermiculture. And what what makes you say that? Well, if you just do a comparison of, of working with worms and working with black soldier fly larvae, uh, the um, the benefits of the black soldier fly larvae, I, I may be a little prejudiced when I say they outweigh those of earthworms, but I Maybe it's more accurate to say that they, um, they're easier in some ways. I, I think they're more forgiving, uh, more forgiving. And if the people who are developing them for residential use, uh, like myself, that's my focus primarily, it's, it's uh, almost exclusively uh, residential systems, if we can do our job and, and make it easy, then I believe it'll, it'll really take off at some point just because of the uh, the great quantities of food you can process, the byproduct of the larvae being so nutritious for anyone who raises uh, livestock, like uh, chickens, for example, would be the primary one. Fish also. Uh, there's so many applications like that. Uh, there is a you know earthworms are great for producing beautiful soil. Uh, black soldier fly larvae, for example, don't produce much soil because everything is processed so thoroughly. There's very little soil left. But with the new system that I've been developing, we do produce quite a bit of liquid fertilizer, uh, BSFT. So, you know, it might be just that I'm partial, but um, uh, my guess would be that if you look at the growth of vermiculture, that it's perhaps, um, you know, a much more gradual thing and that this rapid growth and in interest in black soldier fly larvae is going to continue for quite a while and make it, uh, you know, much more uh, mainstream in the near future. I guess I would be remiss in this interview to assume that people know what Black Soldier Fly is and that they've all gone back and listened to your previous appearance on the Agro Innovations podcast. So perhaps we should take a little step back and say, what is the Black Soldier Fly? Okay, well, that's a, a dangerous question for me because it's so hard to edit. Um, I'll do my best. Uh, I, I do an introductory PowerPoint uh, presentation uh, that I worked very, very hard to get down to an hour. So um, I'll try and condense it even further for uh, this interview. Uh, what is it? Uh, most important, I think, is that it is a non-pest. It's uh, You can't really say a non-disease-carrying insect because you and I and our pet dog and everyone is a potential disease carrier. But uh, as opposed to house flies and blow flies and, and uh, similar species of flies, the, uh, the black soldier fly is not a vector of human diseases. It's not a typical way that people contract uh, disease. So it, it makes it pleasant, and it's, it's a, one of the great aspects. So um, there are a lot of misconceptions about flies in general. Uh, this fly is uh, it can't bite, it can't sting. It doesn't, as I said, it's it's not a disease vector, um, and it's and it's rarely seen. So. Um, I like to start with that. It's indigenous to the uh, southeast United States, and it's spread around the temperate regions of the world. I would call it non-invasive, even if it's uh, even if it didn't evolve in the area, because uh, my understanding of invasive means that it's displacing uh, indigenous species, which I do not believe black soldier flies do, and and disrupting the ecosystem, which I don't believe it does. So. So that's the, the main thing, just to try and get people uh, past the 
immense prejudice against flies. Uh, there are over 200,000 species of flies. They are not all pests, uh, and, uh, and that's, that's a, a big point right there. Um, the, uh, the larvae, then, when you get into what the larvae can do, uh, you know, I, I mentioned earthworms before. They are, the black soldier fly larvae are voracious eaters. They will process uh, waste at uh, probably about two to three times that, uh, depending on conditions of, of worms. So that's a, a big benefit. Uh, more importantly, they can process a much wider variety of waste than uh, worms can. Uh, right off the top of my head, um, things that worms can't process, well, typically you wouldn't process meats, and you can process uh, pretty much all animal flesh. Uh, with, you, know, you have to be careful when you're intru introducing um, animal flesh, and you just need to avoid uh, something like botulism. So you wouldn't want to uh, handle extremely... Uh, the spoiled meat, but when you're dealing with fresh products, products that you are aware of, waste products that you are aware of their history, you can process virtually any animal protein. Uh, onions, uh, they love raw onions. Uh, citrus, uh, dairy products, fats, I've given mine. The list is just uh, almost endless. So that's another great advantage. And then uh, the uh, the other side of that equation is, of course, you're, on, on one side of the equation, you are reducing the constant flow of waste that we produce, which is immense. Uh, One-third of landfill is rotting uh, food waste that black soldier fly larvae could process. The other end of that is the uh, the byproduct, the main byproduct, uh, is the, uh, the larvae. The larvae are extremely nutritious. They are... Uh, in, in many ways similar, maybe equal even to menhaden fish meal, which come out of the ocean at, at great cost to the environment and, you know, in, in terms of dollars. Um, and so we, with black soldier fly larvae, are converting a liability, which is waste, into a very valuable resource, which is uh, very high-quality fats and protein that can be fed to livestock, could be fed to human beings, to be perfectly frank, which is, you know, something that I, I hear more talk about now. So that's kind of an overview, so I don't want to get lost. So if you want to direct me from there, um, we could go on. Well, and I would encourage people to go back and listen to our previous interview because you break down the life cycle of the black soldier fly there. I don't think that we need to fully go into that in this episode. I'd really like to focus on some of the developments and some of the work that's happening with black soldier fly since we last spoke, uh, but for those of you who are interested in learning more about the details of the life cycle of this organism, uh, please check out the previous podcast, and I will link to that in the show notes for this episode. So, Jerry, tell us, um, you mentioned you are developing or have developed uh, basically an open source technology that people can use to raise uh, black soldier fly at the residential level. Tell us more about that. Well, I, I, I'm going to start with an apology because um, I would gladly share the design. I will gladly share the design, but um, I haven't. I posted detailed uh, photos of my system, but not detailed instructions. So it's it's on my list. Um, you know, it, it's something that uh, you know. I, when, if I publish something like that, I want it to be perfect. That's kind of a problem with me, but. Um, you know, if anybody had a question, if, if any of your listeners or anyone else takes a look at the composter that I'm that I build and has 
specific questions, I'd be glad to answer them. Uh, and hopefully before the summer starts here in uh, central Florida where I live, I can, I can get some detailed instructions out there. So the, um, there, there is one product, residential uh, composter for black soldier flies, the Biopod. Um, my motivation to, uh, to build and market you know, my new system was to, you know, of course, to try and improve on it and just to make it uh, less expensive. Um, I think that in trying to um, entice people into working with something, you know, as kind of unusual and new as fly larvae, the cheaper it is to get in, involved with it, you know, the better, of course. So, so that was my goal. And um, I, I think I've got it now to where I would say for less than, Less than $40, I would hope, uh, somebody could build my system. Um, it might be a little bit more than that. It just depends on, you know, how much, uh, how easy it is to source the parts where you live. But, um, so, uh, I will soon share that. And, uh, and, and there are some things that make my design unique, which, you know, I, I don't want to spend all the time talking about my design if that's uh, not the direction you want to go, but I'm obviously very excited about it. I believe that my system is the most efficient and the most user-friendly system that a person could uh, could use. Well, tell us about the characteristics of this system. Is it a five-gallon bucket or is it, uh, you know, a big garbage can or h how is this thing kind of set up and how does it work? Well, I, I'm currently building a, uh, I'll speak in gallons uh, since we're in the States here, uh, it's roughly a six-gallon plastic latch tote or storage bin. Um, and then I am currently, uh, I've already tested one that's about double the size. So uh, a working capacity of around 10 or 11 gallons on the bigger one with about a five-gallon working capacity on the smaller one. Uh, basically what, uh, you know, so I've, I've gone out and just gotten, uh, you know, I've uh, sourced parts from, uh, you know, home stores and things like that. So I use PVC plumbing, vinyl tubing, a storage tote, um, a gallon plastic canister to catch the larvae as they self-harvest, uh, PVC molding that's um, like uh, typically would be wood molding to build a ramp. So, uh, you know, just going out into the world to find pieces that I can make work. And um, and, I, and I believe the result has been uh, this very efficient composter. The main difference between, uh, well, I, I might have mentioned in my earlier podcast uh, that I had a five-gallon bucket uh, that I had shared with everyone, that I had detailed plans for that. Uh, the, uh, the current design is a big improvement over the five-gallon bucket that I had based my previous uh, open-source composter on. Uh, much easier to use and uh, more efficient uh, in, the, in the same way well, let me put it this way, that this new system is is unique as far as I can tell. I hope more that people are starting to uh, adapt it. Uh, I would like to see some other people testing it, but uh, not only did I make it a little easier to build in the bucket uh, and, and more efficient, um, but there's been a, a complete change in the way the drainage system works and the, uh, the whole concept of filtering, which is uh, it, it's a one of the weak points of all the uh, other designs, I would say, my previous and the other existing designs, is that when the black soldier fly larvae process food, they create a very, very, very fine paste. And that paste is 
kind of clay-like or like a very wet clay in consistency. So the problem uh, with all of these other designs is that they uh, eventually clog up so that they don't drain. And when you imagine when you put in high-moisture waste, the, the black soldier fly larvae break it down very quickly. And in my six-gallon unit, you can process uh, easily two pounds of, of food scraps per day, food waste per day. So there's a lot of moisture contained in most uh, waste that people would process, kitchen waste, and that has to drain out. So what happens is when the drain clogs, uh, clogs up, you get uh, anaerobic conditions, you get a flooded area that uh, creates problems. Um, so the, uh, the system that I use has a slotted pipe system that runs through the bottom and out through a, a vinyl tube with uh, a valve on it. And essentially what this allows you to do is flush the system with fresh water, uh, clear water. And what we do is rinse out the very fine particles that are, well, the, the castings from the black soldier fly larvae, uh, which are, uh, I haven't tested it, but I'm going to assume that it's a very good uh, fertilizer. We wash that out, and what takes the place of these fine materials that we wash out is our air pockets. So we're getting oxygen down to the lower levels, and then we keep uh, aerobic uh, conditions. You get no bad smells. And, uh, and overall, it's just a, a very user-friendly uh, and uh, pleasant environment uh, inside of the container as opposed to the um, you know, sewer-like smells associated with uh, anaerobic bacteria. Great. So you, one of the things you claimed is uh, the black soldier flies can process two to three times as much waste as uh, the uh, redworm composters. Um, I would say that it's probably maybe even more than that, maybe five to six times. I mean, they, they certainly are voracious eaters. Well, I, I try and be conservative. Um, you know, one of the differences between the two and working with them is that the, uh, the, the range of temperatures that black soldier fly larvae can process waste goes from, well, when you get into about the 70-degree range, they, they're fairly active, and you can go up to over 100 degrees, and they, they can thrive in a 100-degree environment. So, you know, the, your results are going to be very temperature-dependent. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, again, I, you know, I try to be conservative, and, and um, I haven't worked much with uh, redworms. So, you know, because I'm a bit ignorant of that end of the equation, I, uh, I'm trying to be conservative in my estimate. But it's, it's very amazing. I've, I've processed more than that. I, I imagine you could do two and a half uh, pounds easily. Uh, if you know, once you got the um, got the, the hang of uh, when to flush the system and, and things of that nature, so uh, yeah, very happy overall with the results. And uh, again, I'm, I'm I'm kind of subsidizing the. I do sell them. I'm trying to subsidize the uh, cost by selling them as inexpensively as possible. Um, you know, I would love to uh, make my living uh, in some way related to black soldier fly composting. But for this stage of the game, I, I'm really um, as interested, at least, in, in getting people to try it, which is why I'm going to share this design with people. And then people that want to purchase one can, it, but, you know, that won't be a limiting factor. People can uh, try it on their own if they want to, and I, I really hope they will. I'm, I'm waiting to get feedback. I only started this system um, maybe eight months ago, so, uh, you know, it's not out there uh, for very long, but I'm very excited. Uh, and of course, 
you know, other people are developing other approaches, and, uh, you know, at our forum, we're, we welcome all designs, and we, we just want to see the technology uh, keep growing at the pace that it has been. Well, and I should say, the work that you're describing has involved a lot of trial and error and hard work on your part, um, and so I think people should thank you for the work that you've done uh, trying to help bring the black soldier fly to more households around the United States. Well, I appreciate that. It's uh, it's funny when you say hard work. It's It kind of struck me as funny because, you know, it, I just love to do it. So to me, it's playing. I, I wish I didn't ha- um, you know, my regular job is hard work. But, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm happy just sitting for 15 minutes and staring at, at, a, at a colony work, which, uh, you know, it's important. It, it's at least to develop something, you really have to understand what makes these uh, little creatures tick. And uh, and it's really not that complicated. It just, uh, you know, it just takes some time to to uh, see what they do and, as you said, some trial and error. So, um, you know, I've, you know, since I've started in about 2007, I guess, and, you know, I'm just uh, very, very grateful that uh, they, this creature exists. I mean, I, obviously... Um, you know, I'm very attached to the, the technology, but I, I think if people take the time to look at it, uh, they will agree that there's, it's just amazing. And it's, it's not just me. Uh, I've witnessed it several times over and over when people start to find out the attributes and the, the lack of any downside. I mean, I know that sounds like hyperbole, but I really haven't found uh, a significant uh, downside to working with black soldier fly larvae. They, they're, uh, the risks are, are I, I mean, they're not on, non-existent, but compared to anything else that we do in life, they're extremely low um, and, uh, and and very easy to avoid, you know, any issues. Uh, you know, you're, when you're dealing with waste, of course, or, you know, there, there can be bacteria involved and, and harmful bacteria in any time you're dealing with waste. But, uh, but even to use that as, as a point to illustrate uh, what I'm saying the uh, black soldier fly larvae have been proven to limit, uh, to reduce the uh, the amount of E. coli and salmonella in waste. So, you know, something that sounds like it might start out to be a downside. You know, you're dealing with waste. We have to deal with waste one way or another. We're gonna we have to deal with it. And and using that great example, they limit bacteria. They limit odors. They they uh, the way they churn waste favors aerobic bacteria. Uh, instead of the sewer-like smells of uh, anaerobic bacteria. So, um, anyway, I got a little lost there, but, uh, yeah, very, very happy to be working with them. Well, going back again to the analogy with the uh, red worms, you know, I recall one of the things that was mentioned in my interview with a fellow who is a, who does a lot of red worm composting is that this species co-evolved with humans in their compost piles over perhaps many thousands of years. Is that the ecological? Has that been the ecological niche of the black soldier fly? Has it co-evolved with humans in some type of waste stream? Was uh, your other guest referring to red worms or yes, worms? Yes. 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 Absolutely. Uh, there's been a synergy between black soldier fly larvae and people. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't know how far to go back. Um, I, I know that at least we go back in the not too distant future when uh, outhouses were uh, common. Um, the they were uh, actually one of the old 
kind of common names for black soldier fly was privy fly because they were regular visitors to outhouses and they would inhabit the waste uh, beneath the outhouse. And the uh, another one of the attributes of black soldier fly larvae is that when they uh, colonize a pile of waste, they they dominate it almost completely. I've seen figures from 94% to 100%, but uh, you know definitely somewhere in there uh, where you will see um, you will see almost nothing but black soldier fly larvae. You will see a lot of black soldier fly larvae, and uh, you there is probably a, some type of pheromone or infochemical that the larvae give off that just sends a signal to other fly species that this waste is uh, is taken, is being dominated by us. You you will not complete your life cycle here. So um, I've had, for example, uh, in, uh, in in hot South Georgia summer, I was processing a lot of fish, uh, whole fish and, and fish uh, bones and scraps. And I could have uh, this particular unit uh, open with the lid off, and and no flies would even land. No house flies would even land uh, on it. Or, or if one occasionally would land on it, it would not go, you know, into the waste and lay eggs like you would expect. So it's it's, it's amazing. Uh, so again, that's another attribute of the black soldier fly larvae is that they repel pest species. So back to the uh, the outhouse example, uh, and to show the the synergistic relationship, the um, they would actually reduce the they would reduce harmful bacteria in the waste in the house. They would reduce the volume of it. They would reduce uh, bad odors and keep it more aerobic by constantly churning it, and and displace the pest species. So it would be you know a, a, an environment that would be relatively free of disease carrying flies. So that goes back to you know not the too far uh, back, but and and my belief would be that the, the population of black soldier fly larvae has grown along with the population of humans because, uh, and this is another reason why I consider them not to be invasive, if, um, if the only way that, the, in my mind anyway, uh, I want to predicate things that, you know, I'm not a scientist, I'm a, you know, an avid hobbyist or whatever, but um, an independent researcher perhaps, but um, in, in my mind, the population of the black soldier fly is going to be uh, directly correlated to the amount of waste that humans generate, because in the absence of the waste, the population will decline. So, you know, if they compete with any any insects, it's going to be other uh, species that you know, benefit from our waste, like house flies and, and blowflies and such. So, um, uh, so I, you know, how far back that goes in human history, I, I don't know, because uh, you know, in, in times where we really didn't create much waste, I don't think there would have been much of a presence of black soldier flies, larvae, or black soldier flies in general. So I think they have been tied to us, though, as we've grown into, you know, our, a large population of modern humans and uh, and as we have become more and more wasteful. That concludes my interview with Jerry of blacksoldierflyblog.com. I will link to Jerry's blog on the show notes for this podcast. And I would strongly encourage people to support Jerry by getting on his website and making some purchases or making a donation. Uh, Jerry is a great supporter of the Agro Innovations podcast, which I will get to uh, in more detail here in a moment. 
I mentioned at the beginning of this interview that Jerry was on a previous uh, series of interviews on the Agro Innovations podcast, and I couldn't remember the numbers, but actually it's episodes number 78 and 79, all about the Black Soldier Fly. So if you didn't listen to those interviews and you'd like to know more about the Black Soldier Fly, I would recommend you check that out. And if you did listen to those interviews and it's been a while and you're really interested in this topic, again, I would recommend you go give that a listen because there's a lot of good information in in those two episodes. Jerry will be back next week to conclude the Black Soldier Fly topic. And I really want to thank Jerry uh, in a lot of ways because... Jerry, after getting off the phone with me, or while we were speaking on the phone, offered to send me uh, some of the equipment to build his new Black Soldier Fly uh, incubator or Black Soldier Fly composter, and I really, really appreciate that. Jerry definitely demonstrates that he appreciates the Agro Innovations podcast He appreciates uh, what this program does for the guests who participate on it. Of course, our listenership is not huge, but um, it's still substantial. And uh, this is a service that's offered for free to anybody who would like to listen. And um, I I certainly don't want to say anything negative about any of the previous guests on the podcast. I... Certainly appreciate everybody who's contributed their time and effort to this project, but I will say that um, some people do seem to um, not recognize the fact that they are being provided with a little bit of free publicity and uh, free public relations, and um, sometimes I have to prompt people to, you know, send out a tweet or something about their own appearance on my podcast. So in the case of Jerry, he clearly recognizes and appreciates uh, the work that I do here, and he put his money where his mouth is and sent something my way. If you appreciate the Agro Innovations podcast, you can donate by clicking on the Donate button on the upper right-hand side of the screen on agroinnovations.com. A reminder that this and all episodes of the Agro Innovations Podcast are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license. To learn more about that, please visit creativecommons.org. This is the Agro Innovations Podcast. I'm your host, Frank Aragona. Until next time, saludos. Saludos.